welcome back to another episode of the Sly Cooper Podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Hustle. We got, well, an episode that I'm sure everybody is doing on whatever podcast they are doing today. I was planning to do uh, too early, but I don't care, MVP ranking for the NBA season so far. But, as is such with the NBA, stuff happens, and we finally... Got the blockbuster trade that we've all been waiting for. James Harden is now a Brooklyn Net. So it was a four-team deal. This episode, we're going to spend a little bit of time breaking it down from all sides because it was a four-team trade, and I think that part was surprising for everybody. Usually, when people online, Twitter, whatever talk about trades they always propose wild trades and that's the fun part right that's the fun part about the NBA is that you know you get to propose a bunch of hypotheticals and it all makes sense and it all sounds good and there's chatter online about it but it was kind of a fever dream for those type of people because I don't think anybody expected this to be a four-team trade so let's just get right into it uh James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets uh, in what was a four-team deal among the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Indiana Pacers, and obviously the uh, Houston Rockets. Let's start with the Nets. They just get James Harden, and that's it. And in return, they will be sending three of their first-rounders unprotected straight up in 2022, 24, and 26. They will also get four Brooklyn first-round pick swaps, which are also unprotected for this year's draft, the 2023 draft, the 2025 draft, and the 2027 draft. So we're getting a Brooklyn mortgaging all of their draft, all of their, so we're getting a Brooklyn is mortgaging all of their draft picks redux or electric or part two electric boogaloo, uh, I guess, if you want to say, um, The Rockets are also getting Victor Oladipo from the Pacers and Dante Exum from the Cavaliers. Rodion's Kuruks, who is a nice looking prospect that was on the Nets, that was on the Nets. Um, The Pacers will be getting Karis LeVert from the Nets. They will also be getting a second rounder uh, from the Rockets and the Cavaliers. Kind of the people in the kind of like the people who are just walking around the neighborhood and they see a yard sale going on or something like that and there's a good deal or something's going down and you know they just get an unexpected deal to happen on that day. You is one of those you just walk in not knowing what's going to happen and all of a sudden it falls into your lap. The Cavaliers will get Jared Allen, who is a awesome young center for the Brooklyn Nets. And honestly, it's one of the more frustrating things that I did not like about the Brooklyn Nets was that DeAndre Jordan is very clearly the worst player than Jared Allen, and he kind of just got his starting spot taken away from him for no reason. So Jared Allen finally gets to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And yes, I know there are a bunch of bigs in Cleveland, but I imagine one, and Andre Drummond is not going to be re-signed next summer. We'll get into that later. But Jared Allen clearly has the path there as the starting future center for the Cavaliers. And then they also get Torian Prince, who is, you know, we're still on like year 500 of him waiting to put it together as a 3 and D wing. But 
you know, maybe he'll get his confidence back. He's definitely one of the Cavaliers' best wings already outside of uh, Isaac Okoro. And, um, you know, not Kevin Porter Jr. withstanding. But, you know, he'll he, there's a path for him, obviously, to get a lot of minutes on this team. But uh, let's go to the net side of it first, obviously, because that is the... That was, it seemed like that was the destination for Harden. Everybody in the league pegged the Sixers as the favorite, and I will cover a bit of that later as well because I do think the Sixers, I wouldn't say they dropped the ball, but they missed a prime opportunity to maximize what has been so far an MVP front-running season for Joel Embiid. But Harden wanted to, there was already reports over the summer that while the Nets and the Sixers were two of Harden's prime destinations, he wanted to play with his friend Kevin Durant, his old partner in OKC uh, back in the day, if you guys don't remember that. Uh, <laughs> the 2012 Oklahoma City Thunder. Every time I look at that roster, I'm just thinking, wow, that 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 was ridiculous. And I remember at the time I was like, this is going to be the next team of the decade. We're going to see a bunch more Miami Heat and Oklahoma City Thunder NBA Finals. Obviously, we know what happened there. But nonetheless, Harden is reunited with Durant in Brooklyn, presumably teaming up with Kyrie Irving as well. Although lately, Kyrie is looking like he just doesn't want to show up for work as much as I try to empathize with him and, you know, how he's treated by the media and, you know, all the good stuff he's done and he's obviously a polarizing figure what he's been doing for the last week week and a half has quite frankly been absolute bullshit and I'm not going to defend him on this one um you know obviously if you're missing games because of personal reasons there's nothing I could say to that I hope you get through whatever you're going through but based on what we have been seeing and based on what the NBA has been looking at in terms of videos of Kyrie going to a party maskless, whether it was a family member's birthday party or not, um, the Nets didn't even know Kyrie Irving was going to be out for personal reasons when he initially missed the first game last week because of personal reasons. Um, you got to show up to work. And quite frankly, I just think he's now we're at the point now where it's like you can't even defend the guy because it's like, dude, just we know you don't like the we know you don't like what comes with being a star basketball player and being a box office player but at some point you're getting paid 34 million dollars we get it sometimes the media can be misleading sometimes or take stuff that you say out of context but eventually you got to show up to work because you're getting paid like it and i don't ever want to compare professional athlete jobs to normal jobs and I hate to sound like a boomer because I do think that gets overblown a little bit by older people and older members of the media but at this point it's like all right dude I can't defend you like you got to show up but anyway presuming that Kyrie Irving does eventually show up you're gonna have a big three of Kevin Durant James Harden and uh, Kyrie Irving which obviously it goes without saying that that is a special unit offensively. My concern, obviously, and it was my concern when before the Nets traded for Harden, is where is the defense going to come from? And now they've eliminated some of their bench depth. Obviously, that doesn't matter because James Harden is going to make up for that. But now DeAndre Jordan is the full-time starter. Jeff Green, all of a sudden, becomes an important figure in this because he's probably going to be playing small ball five, especially when you get to the playoffs. Um, it's just, it, 
it there's no doubt this Nets team is going to be really, really, really good offensively. It's just that I question their defense, and I go back to this one thing. All right, so on paper, the Nets look like the title favorite now, right? Um, you've, especially if you have a starting lineup of Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan. That That is going to score a lot of points. Defensively and rebounding, that's where my main concern is, obviously. And I still don't see how they addressed those issues. Now, I'm sure there's going to be some buyout people. Uh, there's going to be some players that will will be available at the buyout market. I'm sure there are still some remaining undraft, un, not undrafted, but unsigned free agents or somebody that the Nets could pick up. Uh, they still have some depth. I like Bruce Brown. Um, I like that he's finally getting a chance a little bit to uh, start on a good team, at least for now. Landry Shaman needs to uh, get out of his slump and actually show that he had some growth since his rookie year. I get it with the injuries, but with this much, much talent on the team, they should be getting way more open shots. But again, it's defensively, and who's going to guard the bigs in the East, like the Joel and Beads of the world, who I mentioned is the front runner to me for MVP. Who's going to guard Giannis, the current back-to-back -back reigning MVP? Um, I still have those questions. And it's not just Jeff Green that the Nets are going to rely on a lot. It's also going to be Kevin Durant, who is coming off of an Achilles injury. And I'm not just talking, I'm not talking offensively. I, Kevin Durant was going to be fine offensively, but defensively, was he going to continue to be the two-way player that he was before the Achilles injury? Where, you know, just before he was leaving OKC, and he really took that leap as a defender. We saw it in the uh, 2016 Western Conference Finals against the 73-win Warriors. Kevin Durant took a leap as a defender, as an elite defender. And I'm not so sure that player, that defender is in there as consistently as the Nets need him to be now, now that the Nets have basically traded Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, um, and haven't really addressed, you know, the extra backup big now, beyond, that's now the backup big spot that's vacant now uh, because of uh, DeAndre Jordan uh, starting now and Jared Allen gone. And now Kevin Durant is probably going to be defending a lot more fives, but Chemistry rise also, this is going to be an interesting combination because it has, there are mercurial personalities to say the least. Um, you know, it's always good to have different personalities, but there might just, I'm just wondering about the mix on this team, but this team is going to be fantastic offensively. Again, I guess their best defense is going to be their offense. They're going to average 200 points a game while the other team scores 140. And especially, and I joke about the 200 points per game thing, but you look at some of these scores and I'm kind of 75% joking. But either way, this was the haul you had to get to get James Harden. He's one of the best offensive players in NBA history. He is an offense unto himself a walking playoff berth and if you add that to Kevin Durant who is one of the 15 to 10 by the end of his career probably one of the 10 best players of all time along with Kyrie Irving honestly the Kyrie Irving equation I'm going to be monitoring that because it just seems like Kevin Durant gets annoyed with the media and I saw somebody bring this point up on Twitter but 
Kevin Durant just gets annoyed with the extra stuff that comes with being a basketball star, but he loves hoops. He loves the culture. He loves all of it. He loves the uh, the media sessions, even though he'll bristle about it sometimes. Like, he likes the stuff that comes with the NBA stardom. Like, he likes the hoop culture around it, the team camaraderie around it, etc. Kyrie just doesn't want any part of it. He loves the basketball part, loves the teammate part of it, but everything else he's just not interested in. And um, it'll be interesting to see how the Nets handle this moving forward to the season. Um, Getting James Harden, how is Kyrie going to take it? Because now he is basically back to being the third banana in Brooklyn. And he had problems being the main being the second banana in Cleveland. That was the main issue and why he wanted to get traded was to prove to himself that he could be the guy. But now I'm sure he was fine with teaming up with Kevin Durant, you know, teaming up with his friend. Although I wonder what their relationship is like right now, especially with Kyrie kind of going AWOL and doing other shit. But James Harden and Kevin Durant are both top six players. Kyrie Irving is in the top 20, 25. I have to pull up my uh, tier list again, but I have Kyrie Irving in somewhere in the top 20, top 25. He kind of doesn't matter in this equation. And you can maybe sell or not, you know, sell the contract. It's not soccer, but maybe you could see what you could get for him. Because I imagine... Kyrie Irving could be requesting to trade within the next two years because, you know, this was a guy who wanted out of Cleveland, like I said, because he wanted to be the main guy. And quite frankly, Kevin Durant and James Harden is an automatic contender by themselves. You don't even need to hope that Kyrie will show up, although obviously that would be a bonus. But as it stands now, with just Kevin Durant and James Harden, the Nets are going to be a contender. Uh, I like, I actually, there's a lot of sides to this deal that I like. So, yes, I know the Rockets traded away a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer, but you had to get what you were going to get for him at this point, especially after the press conference he had yesterday and then seeing what DeMarcus Cousins, and I had been waiting to see what DeMarcus Cousins had to say on all all of this the whole James Harden saga and he was brutally honest basically saying I only joined the Rockets so I could play with John Wall he's been James Harden has been showing disrespect to the to his teammates since the beginning even before last night's presser where Harden basically came as publicly close to requesting a trade as a player can do basically saying the team's not good enough he did everything for the city and he doesn't think the situation can be fixed Obviously, Boogie took exception to that that today, and the Rockets sent James Harden home. They were like, look, don't practice. We're going to take care of the trade today. Also, I imagine John Wall and Boogie Cousins were about to run up on James Harden if Harden showed up to practice, because I know they weren't putting up with that shit. So, um, you know, they they <laughs> it's just the wording around it's funny. It's like, yeah, the Rockets sent James Harden home. And it's like, nah, the John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins were probably going to rush on site James Harden as soon as he got to the facility. But the Rockets had to take care of, you know, 
the ongoing distraction. It was clearly affecting the team. Harden had quit the last four games. Even the Rockets broadcast crew uh, called out Harden, basically saying that he quit. There are obviously some clips where you could see Harden has basically, he basically just gave up. So that wasn't good. You had to get, you had to get rid of him. You get a good player back in Victor Oladipo, who might not look like the 2017-2018 All-Star that we saw in Indiana. And then, of course, he ruptured, had a really weird and rare ruptured quad injury. But he looks he looks really bursty. He looks like he is back to being the quick first step blow by you, Victor Oladipo. Um and not only that is Victor Oladipo in a contract year, so the Rockets can flip him. So the Rockets can flip him, um, or you know, clear the books because that's obviously what Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta wants to do. They got a boatload of draft picks. They got not only the Brooklyn Nets draft picks, but they also got the Milwaukee first round draft pick that was unprotected from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, that was the meager price the Cavs had to pay to make sure that their that a position of need was solidified for the future and their shift with JB Bickerstaff towards defensive being a defensive minded team that was a I would easily pay that price 10 times out of 10 but the Rockets got eight first round picks Rodion's Kuruks is also an interesting prospect I imagine he will get some playing time with this team, if guys like Jason J, Jason Ch- Jason Tate, wow, I could not say that, continue to get uh, minutes, and I like the the John Wall Victor Oladipo backcourt is intriguing. Christian Wood is a good player that you know will benefit from playing with Oladipo as well. Um, Dante Exum, you just gotta hope at this point that he could just stay healthy um it doesn't look like still that's the case but you know when he's out there he's a really good defender and he's a quick point guard but that's the problem he needs to stay healthy but I still like this Rockets team and I think this Rockets team could be fighting for a play-in spot or a low bottom seventh eighth seed ninth seed in that range I I definitely think they're within the seven to ten range in the western conference especially now that this team is going to be playing more free the Rockets team was playing more free before James Harden started showing up for preseason games and missing you know a few regular season games also the Rockets just looked like they were having more fun when it was the show being ran by John Wall and I imagine you know let me just say on a side note it I feel bad for uh head coach Steven Silas, a guy who has been working in the league for 20 years, waiting for his head coaching opportunity. We all know how tough it is for black people to become coaches and GMs in professional sports. The representation across all sports leagues for minorities in higher up positions is honestly, it's a joke. It's been a joke and it continues to be a joke and it's just something that hasn't been fixed. You have Steven Silas here has been waiting 20 years to get his chance to be an NBA head coach. And literally the first month on the job, you're dealing with the James Harden shit. You're dealing with him brazenly just not showing up to training camp, showing up out of shape, quitting in these quitting in these games and now having to manage a locker room that is clearly fractured. I mean, 
you we don't have to go any further than Boogie Cousins comments today. And we all know DeMarcus Cousins, he keeps it realer than any than a lot of NBA players. Like there are there are NBA players who keep it real and DeMarcus Cousins is on that list. The locker room, there were clearly issues and Steven Silas has had to deal with this. The team is now 3 and 6. They're 14th in the Western Conference. And that's mainly because they've been dealing with this. And let's say this bad start, the team can't recover from it and they have a bad year. Silas might be on track to be fired in two or three years because he was dealt a bad hand. And now he's not expect he's expecting to have James Harden. Then he's not. And then he's dealing with James Harden. You know, showing up to camp out of shape, bringing his whole shenanigans into the new season, into his first season. And I'm just saying, like, this this type of stuff that just puts it, – it's just this type of stuff that leads to more black people getting marks against them. And it's absolutely fucking infuriating because we all know that's what's going to happen. Silas is going to get fired in two or three years because he's not winning as he is expected to. And it looks like the Rockets might be headed towards a rebuild, especially if they don't bring back Victor Oladipo. And if John Wall looks good this year, I imagine they're going to ship that contract out in some capacity as well, especially now that they have the assets to offload the contract in case they do have to pay a little extra to get off of it. Then the team will be bad. Steven Silas is going to get blamed and then he's going to get canned. And that's just how it works for black people in professional sports trying to get a head coaching position or an executive position in the uh, NBA and it sucks and I hope Steven Silas can navigate through that and succeed in Houston like he has so far with this Harden stuff and I'm just glad now he finally has a team without the dark cloud hanging over him and a team that he could mold in his own vision now with players buying in uh, without, you know, the main guy, the franchise guy, you know, undermining everything that's going on. And Harden himself wasn't intentionally undermining Steven Silas. Again, it sounds like the Harden recommended to the Rockets that they hire Steven, Steven Silas, even though he's like, hey, look, I'm not going to be here, but, uh, you know, <laughs> this guy should be hired. So I don't know why that's always brought up as an anecdote, especially if Harden was out anyway, but I like this Rockets team, and uh, I like the boatload of draft picks they got. They got instant flexibility, and, um, you know, everybody's always going to say you never trade away a superstar player or an MVP candidate, but... When players want out, there's a human element to this too. When players want out, that train has left the station. There's no salvaging it, especially nowadays when stars can just move on a whim. So given the situation the Rockets were in, it was a good deal for them. For the Pacers, I like this too because Victor Oladipo, we all know he wanted to be traded. Somehow he was reportedly according to the athletic like during a after a Knicks game last year Oladipo was going up to Knicks players and saying can I play with you guys which is weird because it was the Knicks although if you look at the Knicks now I'm sure Oladipo would love to play for Thibodeau um but it's a good trade for the Pacers they got they got value from 
a guy who had an expiring contract that in all honesty was probably not going to re-sign with the Pacers. You get a player in Karis LeVert who is not only a bit younger, although he still needs to prove he can stay healthy and also be a little bit more efficient, um, you know, based on his reputation. He is somebody who is also on a value contract through the 2022-2023 season. And also, the big part for this Pacers team, who have been awesome, have revamped their offense, they just look really good. It is now officially, although it was kind of already his team, it is now, Demonis Sabonis has now free reign of the Pacers in their offense. It is his offense. He has he was an all-star last year. He has become a top 20, top 15 player this year so far. And getting somebody like Karis LeVert, who is a scoring machine, um, can play off Sabonis really well, is a little bit different of a player than Oladipo, obviously. He can ball handle and create a little bit. This passing is a li- leaves a lot to be desired, but you got Sabonis there along with Malcolm Brogdon and a few others, that offense is just, Karis LeVert's going to get great shots. He is also, I think he can, he's a smart cutter, which is good if you're playing off of Sabonis. Uh, And the Pacers haven't even gotten TJ Warren back yet. That Pacers team is good, and they're a potential conference finalist team. That team is really scary. And I think just... While you could argue, well, you could argue that Oladipo and Levert, although Oladipo has the higher upside and at his peak was the better player based on Oladipo's health and how he looks and based on Karis Levert, you can kind of not make the comparison, but I don't think the the gap is big enough to where you could say that's a loss for the Pacers considering that they maintain, you know, getting a really good score from the perimeter for the next three years as opposed to trying to re-sign Oladipo to a bigger contract. And you turn the reins over to Demonis Sabonis. So I really love that trade for the Pacers. And then you go to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have just I've just been impressed with Kobe Altman and what he has been doing for the last year and a half. Jim Beeline higher withstanding where he called his players thugs and then tried to play it off as slugs. And that spawned a whole bunch of bone slugs and harmony jokes on Twitter. Um, JB Bickerstaff has obviously shifted the mindset of the Cavs to more defense. That's why they got a Coro who has been spectacular as a rookie when he plays the Cavs have gone through so many injuries. It's kind of wild and it kind of derailed their, you know, feel good start, but this is a good deal for the Cavs. They really, I can't believe the Cavs got in, in this somehow. And at the price of a Milwaukee Bucks, 2022 first round pick, which is going to be a high pick and really negligible. You're basically saying, okay, I'm trading a late first round pick to get Jared Allen. And with Andre Drummond's contract expiring this year, um, Kevin Love is getting a year closer to getting off of his deal. This was the, a perfect gift for the Cavs because then they could extend Jared Allen over the summer as opposed to Andre Drummond, who has a lot. Jared Allen has a lot of potential as a defensive rim protector, as a screen and roll guy. 
that is actually the perfect big for Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, especially if you want to go with that backcourt for the future. And now that you got Isaac Okoro as your big defensive wing, Larry Nance has been spectacular defensively. The Cavaliers, by the way, have the number one rated defense in basketball. And it's been like that for a few weeks now. Even with all the injuries and them hitting a slump recently, their offense has kind of been putrid. But their defense has really, it's still been holding steady. And getting somebody like Jared Allen, who, at least for this season, will back up Andre Drummond most likely because Drummond is in a contract year. He needs to get his money. And damn sure the Cavaliers ain't going to bring him back. I will be shocked if the Cavaliers bring Drummond back on any sizable big contract. Or on any contract, really. But even on a, on a sizable big contract, I would be shocked if that contract is not going towards Jared Allen. I don't think he's coming back, but the Cavaliers have find, found themselves in a good position to where it looks like they're building something sustainable. They have young players. The Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt, a.k.a. Sexland, is uh, showing that it could be a theore- it could theoretically work. And then, of course, you got Torian Prince, who, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're still waiting on him to put it all together. But he is somebody who is an NBA player, can make open threes. And, you know, while people assume he's a good defender just because of his build, he's not really. But maybe in a new change of scenery with more shots, it'll help him. But look. The Cavaliers, I like them as a pl- as a play-in team. And I know that's a change of pace from what I said on the Box Out Banter podcast that I did to start the season. But um, where I said the Cavaliers are probably going to be lottery hunting and I wouldn't watch no more than 10 games of them. Well, I'm already at the, I'm almost at 10 games because I have been enjoying <laughs> watching the Cavaliers. And I actually think if they could just stay healthy, for the love of God, their defense could carry them to a play-in game. Out of all, you know, the Eastern Conference play-in teams or the guys that I had in the lottery, the Cavs have the best def- They have the best defensive rating in basketball. Or now they have the third best defensive rating because the Lakers played tonight and uh, so did the Mavericks. So they jumped the Cavs um, tonight at a first and second. The Cavs are now third. But the Cavs, before tonight, have been the best defense in basketball. And it's not a fluky thing if you look at that team. Um, you know, obviously, Darius Garland will get picked on. Colin Sexton, he exudes this image of being a good defender because he's competitive and he picks up full court and he's a pest. But he's tiny and will get, you know, bodied down low um, and against bigger guards. Isaac Okoro, great defender already, NBA-ready body, is already making impacts without even necessarily needing to score the ball, especially now that or when he's been healthy. I know he's been dealing with a little foot uh, problem, and but he's been back since then. But, uh, you know, you look at the Pistons. I know Jeremy Grant's been balling, but the Pistons stink. The Knicks are st- starting to come back down. Uh, to earth a little bit, although I still think they'll be competing for a playing spot. 
Uh, the Hawks are just, I mean, the Hawks are kind of just free-falling. Wizards stink to the high heavens. They stink. One of the can the Wizards, you know, play some defense. You know, like just any semblance of defense. Uh, the Raptors are also struggling. Um, and it looks like a Kyle Lowry trade might be imminent. So there are some teams that I thought would be up in the lower part of the Eastern Conference, maybe even the middle part of the Eastern Conference, and they're kind of not playing well and losing key players, like when the Wizards lost Thomas Bryan on the season to a torn ACL. Now the Cavs are kind of looking at it like, if we could just get some of our guys back, we could be in a playing game. Or as I had in my Tier 4, those uh, extra fries you find at the bottom of the bag or in the at somewhere at the end of my next tier, which is the Battle of the Bottom Seeds. So, um, great gift for the Cavaliers. I actually think all around, if you just look at all the teams involved in this trade, everybody made out with the players they wanted. You know, Brooklyn was obviously probably, you know, gritting their teeth at the package they had to give up to get James Harden. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get James Harden. And uh, I like I like what the Rockets have been able to do to put for as far as putting together a roster for this year, but also securing future flexibility. Pacers, I don't necessarily think got worse without by trading Oladipo. Like I said, it was Demonis Abonis's team, and now the pecking order has kind of been established. Now that Karis Levert is over there. He could be in the scoring role, obviously, but we all know now it is Demonis Abonis' team, and Miles Turner is also the defensive defensive linchpin for that team, front runner for defensive player of the year. So I really like that trade for the team. And then um, the Cavaliers, they did a good job just minding their own business, walking on the, walking on the city sidewalk on a nice Saturday afternoon, and they just saw they just got in on something they did not expect to get in, and they made out well and only. They really only gave up an invaluable late first-round pick. That was from a contender, so that pick's going to be in the high 20s. Let's go to the Philadelphia part of this really quick before we go. And I know, yes, yeah, I talk about Sixers all the time. Um, Get used to it, by the way. Uh, Sorry, not sorry. Whatever other phrases you want to say. Because the Sixers were the favorites, it appeared, among NBA media who were talking to league people that they were going to get James Harden and as it turns out Harden's wanted to play with his friend if you look at the deal as a whole it was probably a better offer than what the Sixers had considering what the Nets got and nobody was expecting a four-team or considering what the Rockets got and it was a four-team trade so I don't think anybody expected that but It sounds like Philadelphia dropped the ball here. And look, I was fine with whatever decision Daryl Morey went. I think this team is still good. I think it has a 1% chance of winning the East if I could just give a completely arbitrary number. But the Sixers would have been contenders full stop with a bullet if they were able to get James Harden. And... The Sixers had the better young player 
and Ben Simmons as the trump card, but it turns out the Sixers probably just didn't want to mortgage the future with a bunch of draft picks and give up Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel, although I would have been fine giving up Thibel because, you know, he plays hot potato with the ball whenever he gets the ball on offense now. But I said on this pod before, and I've said it on on my other podcast, if you put a gun to my head straight up, I would have traded Ben Simmons for James Harden. You probably, you didn't even need to put a gun to my head. I was already at the point to where I was expecting the Sixers to be heavily involved in in the James Harden sweepstakes. I was hoping they would get James Harden because look, as much as I love Ben Simmons, as much as I love to defend Ben Simmons, as much as I love to dispute the notion that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can't play together. They absolutely can and have proven it. Ben has been the same damn offensive player since his rookie year. There have been slight improvements here or there. There are stretches where he'll get to the free throw line more. He'll average 22 for a month, average 22 points per game for a month with like eight free throw attempts per game. And you point to it and go, okay, he's starting to figure some stuff out. But at this point, with the way Joel Embiid is playing, we cannot sit here and hope for another year or two that Ben Simmons will finally decide to show improvements on the court that he could be a primary half-court initiator for an offense, especially in the playoffs, which is still my quarrel with this team. As much as it has been fun, as much as it has been more aesthetically pleasing to watch than last year's Frankenstein putrid team they still have a half-court creation problem and they're and if you're relying on Seth Curry and Tobias Harris and rookie Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton to be your primary half-court initiators in the playoffs you're in trouble and that is not going to be the help Joel Embiid needs or that's not going to be enough help if you had a trade for James Harden not only are you pairing arguably the best offensive player in the NBA with arguably the best defensive player in the NBA. You're also pairing together two stars that would complement each other's games in a more seamless and glove fit manner than what Simmons and Embiid have shown so, so far. Harden's ability to score at all three levels with the step back three, um, getting to the rim, isolation, isolation, free throws. I know he hasn't shot many mid-rangers, especially for the latter six years of his Rockets career, because when he first got there, he was doing everything. And in OKC, he was obviously, he had a more diverse offensive portfolio that I think he can bring back out with the Nets, by the way. But you're pairing one of the best guards in NBA history with somebody who has the potential to be one of the best big men in NBA history, who is having an MVP season, who is 26 years old. So it's not like he's, oh, he's a young prospect with a great future like he was in the 2016-17 year, his rookie year. This is this is the start of Joel Embiid's window. And with his injury history, who knows how long this window of prime MVP level defensive player of the year production will last. That is why you have to trade for James Harden. And unfortunately, with all the dumbass decisions the Sixers have made post Sam Hinkie with Colangelo and then 
the with Colangelo and then the front office that was ran by basically Colangelo's brain trust that was still held over for some goddamn reason. And then Elton Brand's god-awful decisions. The Sixers have been put in a hole to where the only path they had to trade for James Harden was to trade Ben Simmons. As opposed to if they had just even competent ownership in the years after Hinky left. The Sixers would have had more than enough assets to possibly finagle a James Harden trade without having to give up Ben Simmons. And then you could have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and James Harden, which was the ultimate thing they were looking for anyway when they tried to draft Markel Fultz, an elite uh, shot creator in the half court paired with a defensive with paired with a defensive unicorn at center who is also a great offensive player paired with this versatile 6'10 passing savant who is also an elite defender now there isn't much flexibility so the only choice was to trade Ben Simmons and even without Ben Simmons like with Kyrie Irving if you combine Joel Embiid and James Harden together with the talent they had on the roster you know to buy like if if the Sixers, say the Sixers would have been able to get James Harden and P.J. Tucker for Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, and four first-round picks, whatever. Uh, Seth Curry, James Harden, Tobias Harris, P.J. Tucker, and Embiid lineup, that, to me, is a conference, that's to me, is an NBA Finals team. And actually the clear favorite to get out of the East. With just Simmons, you get a good player, but you're getting the same player who... This is year five of hoping Ben... Not just hoping Ben will attempt threes, let alone shoot him. This is also year five of me hoping Ben Simmons would be a better finisher with his left hand, be a fin better finisher around the rim in general, be a better post player, be a better player in terms of having a more aggressive mindset going downhill because he really does have that LeBron body where if you get down if he gets downhill you can't stop him getting to the rim this is also year this is also year 5 of hoping that instead of driving downhill to score sometimes or instead of driving to kick it out 100% of the time Drive downhill and score and get to the damn free throw line. This is all, by the way, this is also year five of me hoping that Ben Simmons would at least slightly improve his three point percentage. I never ever thought Ben Simmons would be a three point shooter. I thought he would at least attempt some, but with that, the way that shot looks and how he is honestly shooting with the wrong hand, not to feed into the Kevin O'Connor conspiracy theories, he's not, I didn't expect him to be a good shooter at all. But I at least expected him to attempt some, especially at this point. This is now year we are this is now year five, year four technically for Simmons, because he missed the entire his entire rookie year. But this is year five. We have seen videos of him working on it. We have seen him shoot it pregame. Everybody knows he practices it. But for some reason, it's obviously a mental thing. It, it just and I hate to try to get inside of players heads and try to play psychologist but it is very clear at this point that there is just something going on up there with the shooting and the thing is 
He was shooting a bit during his rookie year. It wasn't three-pointers, but he was shooting at least mid-rangers. He's not even doing that anymore. He had a bullshit turnaround fadeaway that I didn't like, but it was like, okay, fine, whatever. At least he's shooting it that he had in his rookie year. And then it started decreasing somewhat in his second year, the 2018-19 season. Last year, it just seemed like he was like, all right, I'll just take my 1-3 and make it or miss it, and then I won't attempt one for the next two months. And now he's doing this shit again. So here we are in year five of this. Again, Ben Simmons is a spectacular player. He's a top 15 to 20 player. But I think it's time to start giving up on the upside of him being a half-court primary creator. Giving up on the... And look, the LeBron thing was always unfair an unfair comparison. But Simmons had the build of what every team looks for a big playmaking wing guard but unfortunately Simmons is lacking a few things well one he's lacking one fatal thing but then he's lacking other not basic but normal skills he would need to help mitigate the fact that he can't shoot Like, the fact that he still can't finish with his left hand still blows my mind. And it looks like he has absolutely no touch with that left hand either. Because he'll just try to throw it up. And he'll throw it up in a way to where he'll try. He's obviously trying to make the shot. But he'll throw it up in a way to where he'll only throw it up with his left hand unless he is 100% comfortable doing it. Like Like, he knows he'll get the angle to bank it in. Because he has no touch. It, it always comes off his hand. It always looks like it comes off the palm of his hand as opposed to the fingertips. And even with his right hand, he has way better touch with his right hand. Even then, I don't like his post moves that he goes to when he's in the post. Like, can we stop throwing him the ball in the post in the half court? My point is, look, I'm fine with Ben Simmons on the team now. He's definitely going to get the ire of Sixers Twitter whenever he has a bad game. I'm not going to overreact to bad games from him, but the problem remains the same for this team. Unless they get a high-level shot creator from the perimeter that can shoot off the dribble, playmake a little bit, and leverage his ability to shoot off the dribble to playmake a little bit and get to the rim and make his teammates better, the Sixers are going to be a second-round exit again. And by the way, Would you say that Ben Simmons' value has dropped since he started playing games this season? The Sixers might have been better off trading Ben Simmons before the season started. Because that also might be a sneaky reason why the Rockets went with the Nets offer. Not saying that is the reason. They probably would have traded for Ben Simmons if the Sixers were willing to include more draft compensation, whatever. But there's no denying that Ben Simmons' trade value dropped a little bit. I was expecting him to take some leaps this year. I have hated Ben Simmons' offensive approach this year, especially when it comes to scoring and getting to the free throw line. And even his passing, he he passes to he drives to kick out now so much that I don't even know what that yes, his passing is obviously effective. He's an elite passer, a savant passer. But some of these assists now, I'm just like, okay, man, like you're just kicking it out to a three-point shooter and he's shooting it with, what, five seconds left on the shot clock when you could have just driven to the rim, gotten a foul, or taken the jumper yourself. Like, I'm fine with him shooting. I don't care if he misses. It's just that whenever Joel Embiid sits, 
The Sixers need an, this. I would hope the Sixers' other star player would be more consistent in terms of carrying the load. Like the only game in B didn't play against the Cavaliers. Well, against the Nuggets too, but that was COVID related. When Embiid sat for basically rest, yeah, the Cavs are a better team, like I mentioned before, or a better team than I expected. The Sixers should not have gotten blown out by 30 fucking points to that team. If Ben Simmons is the second star player that he expects himself to be and the player that he eventually hopes to be. And quite frankly, I think me and a lot of people disagree with them about what his ceiling is as a player, especially now that he's coming into this year, basically the same offensive player as he was before. So that's it for today. Stay tuned. Next Wednesday, we will be doing my way too damn early, but I don't give a shit MVP rankings uh, this time. Uh, hopefully another blockbuster trade doesn't happen to where I have to push that back again. But, you know, this is basketball, man. This is the NBA. This is fun. Uh, stay tuned next week. Thank y'all for listening. Make sure you like, spread the word, make people subscribe if they are interested in listening. Until then, deuces. <laughs>